in today's show. It's a mock draft. It's the first mock draft that I am doing for this season, a 12-team, nine-category league mock draft. We're running on Yahoo unless something goes wrong. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble, on TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble, and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to BirdDogs.com slash LockedOnNBA or enter the promo code LockedOnNBA for a free white tech hat with any purchase. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off, we promise you. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. So, another entry opportunity today to get into the FBI LOFB World Cup. It's a 12-team, nine-category World Cup. There are 48 divisions with 12 teams each. It's 576 teams to determine the best fantasy basketball player in the world. 20 buck entry fee. Big, big prizes at the end. Prices at different stages as well. Once you get through each phase, there's a redraft section as well. So you get to change your roster over a little bit to see how well you're able to adapt in season. We've got 24 of those divisions that I am filling through this show and the other 24 divisions that we've filled through the guys over at FBI. The link to enter that is in the description of the show. The link to, to enter is also in the show notes on the audio side. So get in there and do that. Now, we are going to do a mock draft here today, 12 teams and nine categories, 13-man roster on Yahoo with their default settings. I don't think I changed the two-center thing just because I wanted to show you a default Yahoo league. And then in every other mock draft after this, I don't think I'll do that stupid, stupid setting. Now, Yahoo has got a lot of problems with their fantasy setup at the moment because they don't have their weeks correct. They have week one starting a week before the NBA season actually starts. They have the season ending on weeks that don't align. Basically, they're running last year's schedule on this year's format. Because they don't pay any attention, they don't give a shit. All right, we know all that. So just be aware that's going to be get fixed. This is my first mock draft. I have not done a single mock draft. I have not jumped into Yahoo or ESPN and done mock drafts. This is the first one I'm doing. I am picking at number nine in this mock draft. So I think that is it's been universally thought of as the worst spot to pick. I'm not that down on it, to be honest. I also do think that there is so much hyperfixation on what we do in the first round, and in the end. I don't think it determines whether you win or lose. If you get a guy in the first round and they get hurt and they're out for the season, it does determine it. You can't decide that. You you can't predict that. It's impossible. There are a lot of question marks around guys uh, in this area, especially towards the end of the first round. But in general, they're very, very good players. I don't think it's going to make or break your season, which which one you go for. Honestly, I, I don't. Apart from one guy we'll talk about, I'm sure, in this show. And by we, I'm going to be talking with Zach Hanshu of Roto World NBC Sports Edge. He's going to be joining me in this mock draft. We've got a bunch of other analysts in the mock draft as well, but Zach's going to be on camera and chatting to me as the mock draft goes down. Um, so yeah, we'll see how it goes. Zach's picking at seven. I'm at nine. We'll see which direction uh, everything heads here. Who would I love to get in that spot? I'd probably, I don't know, actually. I'd probably like Giannis at nine. I don't think he's going to last to me there. Um, I would love to get, I'd love to get Lamelo 
I don't, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe if Lamello can fall to me at nine, that's who I target and in that spot. But we'll find out when it goes. As I said, this is literally the first mock draft that I've done. So we might as well get Zach in and have a bit of a chat. Actually, I say that, but maybe we won't do that yet because I do have to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Now, Bird Dogs are the most comfortable shorts that you're going to feel. It's not only just, well, they're going to wear. It's not only that they're comfortable, though, because they make you look good. Their stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and the leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as like Lululemon, but they just fit way better and they look better. They look like khaki shorts, but they're not. They've got this little undergarment thing in there that slims your thighs down and anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. You don't have to sacrifice your movement by getting that slimmer fit. They just allow you to do what you need to do while looking great doing it. So go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. Enter the promo code LockedOnNBA for a free white tech hat. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. All the promo code is LockedOnNBA for that free white tech hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. And now, now we'll bring in Zach. It's a tradition like no other. Here he is back for another year on the show. Zach Hanshu is here for our first mock draft of the season. Zach, I'm ready for the ready for the fireballs you're going to be throwing at us this year. For the man that brought you top five, top two, Tyrus Halliburton last year, Zach Hanshu is back. What other zingers you got for us this year? Well, you're going to have to wait and see, man, or else people <laughs> wouldn't have to tune in, man. Come on. Yeah, let's... Um, Let's uh, go into this mock draft now. You're at pick seven, I believe. I'm at pick number nine. Um, have you got any idea? Like, how do you feel about pick seven? There seems to be, and again, this is the, literally the first mock draft I've done. There seems to be an idea across the fantasy community of how shit things are towards the end of the first round. How are you feeling about that area of the draft as we are two minutes away yeah, from feel, starting? It feels a little shitty to me as well. Uh, I mean, you got your your top two is going to be Jokic or Embiid, however you want to rank them, uh, kind of lead Embiid right now. And then you got guys like a, a Tatum, a Halliburton, SGA. Uh, and then it kind of kind of devolves after that. You could go with LaMelo Ball, KD. Uh, you got people that are high on Anthony Edwards, including myself. Uh, you know, Giannis, if you're punting free throws, Triple J. Uh, I mean, there's a number of ways you can go right here, man. It, it's – I'm going to throw it out. I'm going to throw it out right now. There is absolutely no way in my mind that Jaron Jackson's worth a first round pick. I think that that is just a, a waste. I just I, I, people do, do we do we forget the fact that a he has been injured every season of his career. He gets into foul trouble, um, and also he's carried by one category. Like I, I just I feel like it's a gigantic waste to pick someone like that at pick twelve or thirteen. Even if you're uncertain about others, it just doesn't feel. It, I, I just I can't get behind it. I'll never get behind getting him in that top 15 range. It just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Like, even if he averages three blocks per game, again, like he did last season, that's 12 blocks for the week. It doesn't win you a category. It doesn't. Like, 12 blocks don't win you the category. You still have to produce other numbers. And even if you fill your team with league average shot blockers who are like fantasy league is like, we've got 25 seconds. We'll bring the draft room in. Now, um, I, I, did, I worked this out. Like, the average of blocks in a fantasy league is 0.7 per player, right? If you add Jaron Jackson's projected block numbers to everyone else being league average on a, a fantasy team for a week where everyone plays four games, which doesn't always happen. Your team average goes from 0.7 to 0.8. Like, okay, like, is that is that worth it? Like, it seems like it's a big number, but it's not It's not something I'm taking in the first round. And I've got so many issues with the way metrics can look at this stuff that I just think it's a waste as the uh, draft starts. What do you think about that take on Jaron? I think that's a great take. I, I mean, it's you've always got to be leery of a guy that, is just such a massive 
he's such he gets you such a massive boost in that one category because it's such a scarce category. Uh, yeah, that if that comes back to earth even a little bit, he's going to fall way out of where you're drafting him. So no, I think that's a totally fair take. He also. I believe, and I talked about this on my Grizzlies preview show, is that over the final, I think, 25 games of last season, his block rate went back to the exactly the same block rate it was the previous season. He went from 4.9 per 100 to 3.9. And that was because he was taking on an extra load offensively without Jar there. So, like, if he just goes back to that, still really good. It's not the same as last year. Um, your pick, what are you doing? I haven't even talked about the picks. You make your pick, and then we'll get back to it in a second. It went Jokic, Doncic, a two, bit of a surprise. Embiid, three. Shea, four. Tatum, five. Halliburton, Ooh. six. And now it is you. Ooh, you know what? Uh, there's several guys I want to go for here, but you know what? Hmm. I don't know what. I'm going to go ahead. Ooh. I'm going to I'm going to say fuck it with the free throws, man. Let's go for Giannis. All right, so I'm going to get into my pick here. Dan Titus just took Steph at number 8. I am going to in this spot take LaMelo Ball, but all right, there are going to be people who who are watching this who I'll defend my LaBella ball draft spot in a minute. I mean, people who watch this go, well, Giannis was actually ranked 108th last season, Zach, and you've only 40th if you, you know, uh, in 8K, if you take off turnovers, you can't possibly take him there. Uh, I don't need you to defend it because I agree with you, but what's what's your thought process? Yeah, I, I mean, so for any of these guys, I mean, uh, Luca included, Giannis, uh, you're going to be punting free throws. Uh, and you and I had a little back and forth, I think, on Twitter because I put out, hey, here's my early yes. projections, and you said, where in the hell's Giannis? Mm -hmm. And so when you do rankings and projections, it's all about in a bubble and here's the overall stat set, right? It doesn't take into account punting uh, or how guys want to build their teams. So if you're in a real draft, Giannis is not going to go outside of the top 15. It's just not happening. Um, so if you take him here and punt free throws, he's just such a, a massive uh, positive to your team in so many categories. So uh, I considered Anthony Edwards here. I know that's probably spicy. I really think he's going to uh, – I think he's going to erupt this season. I, we were talking about that before the show. Uh, and, of course, he's not coming back to me. So, again, that's the case of reaching for a guy you like, uh, you know, if he doesn't come back to you. But I went with the safe pick here and, and just took Giannis. After Giannis went at seven, it was Steph at eight. I took Lamelo at nine. It's coming back to my pick in a second. Um, Durant at 10. Mitch Casey took a Lillard at 11. Adam King mm. took Kyrie at 12 and Edwards at 13. Mitch goes with Trey at 14. I don't see huge amounts wrong with that. I want to talk Edwards in a second. As for Ball, I know people will be like, well, he can't stay healthy. Okay, cool. He sprained his ankle. Uh, whatever. Like, that happens to players. It just happens. I just think he's got such an unbelievable fantasy skill set. Uh, Don Mitchell goes 15 here. I'm just going to think about what I'm doing with my selection here after I've just – I've got to forgot how to get back into uh, recording a show and doing a mock draft live at the same time. It's not easy. Oh, Anthony Davis is still there. Um, at 16 no, don't say it no, if you're going to jinx me don't say it no Anthony Davis at 16 I can't let that go there's, there's surely no I know that Anthony Davis and Lamella Ball doesn't feel like it's the most secure uh, bunch in terms of health but I'm sorry I can't leave Anthony Davis at 16 yeah I can't oh I can't, dude I can't do that anyway um you think about your next pick here, like I know you t you took you wanted to, you were debating Edwards at seven. He went at thirteen. He said he's getting so much hype at the moment for his play in FIBA, um, which is all well and good, but it's also not the same yeah, as playing in the NBA. The thing with him is I, I look at it, and this is how I think you always have to look at it. Where a guy who finished whatever it was last season, twenty eighth or thirtieth or something like that per game. How does he get to the next level? The level that he has to get to is more free throw attempts, but he has to pair that with getting better. 
from the free throw line because he was below average in field goals and below average in free throw percentage. And those numbers have not improved over three years in the NBA. And while usage might go up, he also, you presume, plays next to Carl Anthony Towns more than 29 games that he did last season. And Towns is a usage player. So I do worry that maybe some people are expecting this big leap. I guess you're banking just on a big leap in efficiency. Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking it's going to be a leap in efficiency. Uh, I, I'm also thinking there's going to be a leap in scoring as well. Um, from, from last season. In... How, how big do you think he's gone? What, what do you average last season, 24, 25? I think he can get in the 28 to 30 range. I really do. How... Uh, and I think if you're in that range... Mm-hmm. How do you think he does it? Like I, th- I think he, I think there's a possibility. I think he gets to the line more instead of settling for mid ranges, which he did a lot last season. And my Timberwolves season preview show hasn't come out yet, but me and Ben from Lockdown Wolves talked a lot about this. How he converted like 10% of his shots, which were from three, into long twos, which is not a great idea. Like if he converted them to shots at the rim, then fantastic. That's probably well, that has to be the next step. I think. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we already know he's late out from three, but if he can get to the line, uh, you know, a few more times a game, uh, absolutely, he can tick that scoring average way up. That, that, that's what it's going to be. But the problem then you're, you're running to, Zach, I think, and we just, again, we talked about this a little bit beforehand, not to harp too much on Anthony Edwards, and I'll go through these picks in a second, is that if he does take it to nine attempts per game, but he stays at 75% from the line, it's actually not a positive for your team. It actually makes it worse. So his scoring goes up, but then he does veer into Luka Doncic free throw percentage territory, and he's never going to reach Luka's rebounds or assist numbers. So that's a delicate balance. He needs to do two things. The free throws need to go up, and the attempts need to go up. And that can be a tough thing to do. Yeah, it's it's not it's not a guarantee this year for Anthony Edwards, uh, but it, it's summertime. You got to love that preseason hype that's coming out from Team USA Basketball. I, th- I really thought he was going to have a great year anyway, but oh, look, I, I don't I know. Think, I'm buying into the hype, man. I think it's possible. I think there are three guys who... Well, Edwards probably even isn't in this category anymore, but three guys who go outside the first round who have legit shots at first-round players, and that's Edwards, it's Devin Booker, and it's Cade Cunningham. I think they all have a legit, easy pathway to look at what they do and say they can be first-round players. I don't know they're going to get there, and I probably wouldn't take any... I definitely wouldn't take any of them in the first round personally, but I can see how they all get there, whereas other players, I can't see how it happens. Now, let's just recap what happened. After I took Davis at 16, Jaron went at 17, which I don't hate from Dan Titus, but I'm also yeah, I'm a little bit anti-Jaron in terms of value at the moment. McCall Bridges, you took at 18, Devin Booker, 19, Towns at 20, Van Vliet, 21, Bain, 22, Harden, 23, Bam, 24, Jimmy Butler, 25. Oh, that's uh, Adam from Adam Stock, Elite Fantasy Basketball, and Bam and Jimmy on the turn. That's a little bit risky because if Dame comes there, they both lose out, I reckon. Cade goes at 26, which I love. Sabonis at 27 is great. Markin and 28, Siakam, 29. We're almost back to you. Um, Zach, any of those picks really stand out as you make your pick? Or what are you doing here? So Bron goes at 30. That is a good question. I am, whew, what do I want to do right here? That is a great question. There's some, there are some great players still left here on the board. Yeah, there is. There are some very, very there interesting are. players. There I, are, and I think I'm going to go – I'm going to just go ahead and ride the hype train early. He's not coming back to me, brother. I'm taking him now. No, no, he's not. And that is, of course, Victor Wembanyama going at 31. Um, the top of my draft board at the moment is Kawhi and Paul George, and I'm definitely not pairing Kawhi and Paul George with Anthony Davis and LaBella Ball. Like, I'm just not I'm just not doing it. I'm not taking that many risks. Right. Um, so then the next one who comes off my board is also Zion Williamson. It's like, hey, I don't think I'm doing that either. Um, so the name that then appears to me and – I have to scroll down to find him, is Jordan Poole, who 
is going to be pretty rough with field goal percentage, I believe. But he gets assists. His free throw percentage will be absolutely elite on high volume. He'll get, he'll score, he'll hit threes. I, hmm. Chet goes at 32. Okay. Do I go with Jordan Poole here? The other one I consider is Porzingis, but he enters the season injured. Darius Garland is an option for me as well. Hmm. I don't really know what I want to do here. I think... What's my team projected? For? It's like 48%. My I don't know if I want Poole there. Maybe I do take Garland. Yeah, let's just take Darius Garland there at that spot. Or is there someone else that I'm really missing here? I don't want to take Hawaii Paul George here. I'm not going well to... Jalen Brunson, maybe... His no lack interest of, in Brunson? His lack of defensive stats is a little concerning to me. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Garland. I, I really believe in Garland. He's only Garland's only 23, man. Like, I think he's I think he's gonna really I think he's gonna really gonna improve as uh, these years go on, and especially even this season. He was pretty strong last season. I feel relatively reliable him. Brunson's stuff again. You look at some of the things he did. There were some really high efficiency numbers, which I'm always gonna be wary of when people putting up gigantically high efficiency numbers as guards. They always have a little, not necessarily scared, but I worry that if that doesn't come through, that he doesn't have sky high assists or he's very low in rebounds and he's not a high steals guy. And he's actually a low volume three-point player as well. What do you make of Walker Kessler this season? There are people who are advocating for him to go second round. He's just gone here at 34. He is one of those guys, again, I'm very much in the camp of blocks are an overrated category and they overrate ranking algorithms to an unbelievable degree. I do not think that Walker Kessler, who is can be really strong in you know, three categories, and I really like him as a player. I, I don't think he's worth picking at this spot. Yeah, Walker Kessler, I think, could end up like Triple J from last season. Now, I know he doesn't have the three-point shot to kind of complement some of the other things that he doesn't do well, but I think just from the blocks, uh, I mean, if he can lead the league in blocks, which I think is very possible if yep. he gets in like the 27, 28-minute range, uh, that Z score, as you mentioned, could – I mean, it could skyrocket up to like six or something, and then that really – messes with the algorithm it puts him in the first round so mm -hmm. uh, for that reason alone i see why people want to draft him but i i totally agree with you i think i'm going to do a whole show on this at some point but you're right that that would make that algorithm and that z score jump through the roof and it's also just completely unrealistic in terms of how his value is because jaron's z score of 4.64 last season for blocks meant that on an implied probability on a normal distribution that would happen one in five hundred thousand times and that's just not realistic. Like, that's just not how it goes. Like, and six would mean like it's a one in three million shot that someone averages, you know, 3.3 .3 blocks. It's just, again, it's just not realistic, especially when there was seven guys with implied probability of one in you know, 1,400 chances of it happening. Like, those numbers are completely, completely skewed. And it does lead to some overvaluation of guys. Now, after Walker Kessler at 34, Paul George 35, Brunson 36, DeJounte 37, Evan Mobley 38, Darren Fox 39, and it's back to me. And I said I wouldn't take Kawhi Leonard, but he's sitting here. It's pick number 40. It's it's getting to a stage where I have to really consider this. But also, the guy that I was going to take before is still there in Jordan Poole. So, what do I do? Like, that is... It is hard for me to... If I hadn't have taken Anthony Davis, and to, I'm not that worried about LaMelo Ball, but obviously I'm worried about Davis with that foot injury again from last season. And Kawhi with another knee surgery. Kawhi is a top 10 player per game here, but... It, it is... Well, let me ask you, would you take Kawhi here? It's getting to that stage where I've got to do it, I think. Oh, I don't know. No, I would totally avoid him. Do not take him at all. Completely skip over. Uh, all right, I'm going to take Paul. I don't love that. I don't love that. But if I hadn't have taken Davis, I 100% would have taken Kawhi Leonard there at pick 
40, my fourth pick, I would have taken that. Yes, there is some risk associated with it, but again, he was a top five player for three months of last season. Well, I'd be honest with you. I'm just hoping DT doesn't take him because Leonard is who I'm going to take right here in the fourth round. You are an asshole, Zach. You look at me, it's reverse psychology. In a, in, a, in a mock draft, you're out here You're out here giving me like misinformation. It's all fake news from you over here. Just really, really, really getting me. Okay, now I know not to divulge my plans. So Zach does, Vooch goes at 41, Kawhi at 42. Well, you know what I'm going to say, Zach? That's a really good pick at, 40, at Kawhi at 42. I don't know where you got the idea that Kawhi in the 40s is good value. <laughs> Fantastic for you to grab him there. Just amazing stuff. Great, uh, great thought process from you to get him there. What do you think of Vooch at 41? Vooch, obviously... When you look at rankings from last season of Vooch and you'll see that he was like eighth or something because he played every game, it's just completely misleading in terms of the sort of player or the value he's going to provide. He's another year older. He's on the same sort of team in terms of those other guys around him. Um, I, again, a guy who's had many, many injuries in the past and just because he happened to be healthy last season does not mean that he's going to play 82 this season. I I just... There's no excitement for me to take him at that. Even at this spot, I'm just, I'm just out on Vooch as a player. He's getting older and worse every year. Yeah, I think for uh, I mean for most picks in the draft, right? You're trying to grab a guy. You know, if I grab a guy at 20, I'm hoping that he can outperform that and finish as a top 15 guy. For instance, I, I feel like with Vooch, if you draft him right here, at, would you say this is 41? Yeah. I, I mean, you're drafting him right around probably where he's going to perform. So there's not a lot of value there, and there's I, obviously there's risk. Which, t- to be fair, like I, I have a general mindset of like in the first. As each round goes on, my element of upside increases, right? So first round, I don't yeah. actually care for upside. Second round, if I get a guy at 15 and he ends 18 or 20, it honestly doesn't matter. If I get him at 15, he goes to 12, it doesn't matter. If I, and in the third round, if the guy's 30th and he finishes 32nd, doesn't matter. But each round that you go on, you want a guy that's going to be able to jump. The way you win drafts is not like um, overanalyzing who to pick at eight or nine. It's a getting a, a getting a guy at 60 who becomes 20 or a guy at 100 who becomes 40 or yeah. working the wave wire and getting the guys who become top 30 players for three weeks and moving on from them. That's how you win a league. So my element of looking for upside is that in those first two rounds, I don't really care that much about it. Because again, I don't think that those guys are generally gonna fall unless it's something that's completely unpredictable or out of or out of anybody's hands. And then, as each round increases, I'm looking at my uh, my appetite for risk will increase, and my appetite for upside is there. So I want a guy that can jump fifty spots, but if he falls forty, oh, whatever, I've got to take that chance on him. Much like I think, agree with much you. like I think here. So Jalen went for Jalen Brown forty three, Miles Turner forty four, Jamal Murray forty five, Zach Levine forty six, Zion forty seven. So Zion. Absolutely could be a top 20 player. Like, you don't think it's going to happen. And I think I'll probably win a little bit more comfortable with him in the round after that. But the upside's there. Like, DeRozan at 48. Okay. Porzingis at 49. DeRozan. And this is a good pairing from Adam because DeRozan probably going to stay around this area. Again, he's like 34, 35, might get older. But Porzingis could be a top 20 player very, very comfortably. Of course, there is the injury risk. But that's that's hitting that home run option there. But if it doesn't work out, what have you lost to Porzingis at 49? N- nothing. We've lost something, but not much. Absolutely. What do you think? Of, Absolutely. What do you think of Brady Beal this year? Bealo goes at fifty here. I my general idea is big threes. In general, the third guy takes the big hit. The top two usually, usually, don't get impacted that much. They can sort of stay around their same area. Durant and Booker, I think, will say is very similar. The third guy, Chris Bosh, Kevin Love, those guys take the gigantic hits as a general rule. Is that how you're viewing it, or you think they all sort of lose 10, 15%? Um, I, 
I'm having a hard time with this one. I, I think they all probably lose a little bit, which is why I'm a little – I know we talked before the show about, you know, guys that could get into the first round. I don't see that for Booker. Uh, I think Booker and Beal, I'm not entirely sure how that point guard situation is going to shake out. Uh, I think some people think that, you know, maybe Booker is going to be the guy. Yeah. Uh, Beal yeah. has been some people maybe me. to be point guard. It's it's yeah. Me. Oh, okay. and, uh, this, this, my show hasn't come out as well. When I talked to Brendan from Locked On Suns and we're talking about it, and Booker is the point guard of this team. He was the point guard in the playoffs. It's my pick now, but he's the best passer in this team. And no matter what Sham says, Brendan fully believes that Booker is going to be the one initiating all that offense. As I need to make a decision here of what I'm going to do in this spot. Uh, I've got 30 seconds to go, and I haven't really thought about what I'm going to do. Um, as the last pick was Scotty Barnes at 56. I don't really love. Ooh, I do probably need to just boost some rebounds or sc- actually scoring. Uh, do I trust Brandon Ingram? I don't really. Um, Chris Middleton, I don't think so. John Rant's too early. Oh, Jesus. Maybe it is Ingram. Oh, do not love this. I do need a forward. Um, Ingram's scoring helps. It's As we all know, it's very difficult to get scoring later on in drafts. Let's do Brandon Ingram. Oh, don't love it though. All right. Um, do you want to criticize that one? I oh, Actually, you know what? Let's. I want to talk you talk me through Alpren Shanguna fifty five because I've got a lot of thoughts on him. I was. I'll tell you what, man. Before camp started, and before or not camp, before his his play over the summer, and we started seeing highlights and started hearing the hype train going. I was a little bit out on him this season, and I think it was because I got burned last year drafting him a little too early. Um, but man. You look at this Rockets depth chart, man, there is nobody at center. I mean, it is razor thin. It's him and it's Jock, and Jock got injured. Obviously, Mm. maybe, you know, maybe it's not a serious thing. I don't know. But there is nobody at center, man. And you're talking about a guy that is super young. Uh, He can pass. He can rebound. He can score. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can do this season. I really think when you have a big man that can pass, we've seen it from Sabonis. We've seen it from Jokic. Uh, we've seen it to a lesser degree from Vooch. That is a valuable skill set in fantasy hoops, man. So I think drafting him here, you know, maybe fifth round is maybe we're thinking that's a little too early. Uh, but I think that's right about in the sweet spot because I think if everything lines up accordingly, he could really he could be a you know third round guy. Um, I got I got a lot of thoughts on it, and I was I, I don't think there was anybody who has been higher on Shangun through his career. I had him fifth in his draft class. Like that's how high I had him in that draft, right? But then what happens, it happens a lot, is then people start to come over the top with ideas of this level it is getting to. And I still think he's got real top 20 upside. My worry here is with Ima Udoka, if he just like, well, what's the defense here? Because you know what he does? He puts Tari Eason at the four and Jabari Smith at the five. And that's the worry. That's how that's that's how you get Tari Eason minutes. And that's how you get extra minutes for uh, Cam Whitmore on the wing. And that's how you get extra minutes for Amen Thompson is by pushing Tari to the four and Jabari to the five. And, and that worries me. That we're going to have that situation of him still playing 29, 30 minutes a night. Now, if I was coaching them, I'd be running him 33 a night really easily. But I do worry about Ime Udoka's defensive focus. And they always blamed Shengun last season for defense. And I, I worry that that might be a similar thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with taking him there. I think he's got clear upside there. But I also don't you know, don't know how far... It's my pick. Um, I don't know how it's going to look with, uh, yeah, with that sort of worry that I have of I've got to find minutes for Eason, and that might mean that his defensive ability trumps Shingun's offense, and they put Jabari to the five. That's where I get a little bit 
concerned with it. Now, I do need some rebounds. And there is a player that's probably fallen a little bit too far here, I would say. And I don't even know where I find him on this list. Where's Rudy Gobert? This is probably too low for... Gobert's down this far. This is crazy. All right, I'm going to take Gobert there. Um, Yeah, um, so that's my thought on Shangun. I'm just going to go through the other picks there after you took... Uh, Shangun at 55, Scotty Barnes 56, Ingram 57 was me, Jared Allen 58, Randall 59, the Bronco Jalen Williams at 60, Devin Vassell 61. I love Vassell. Again, one of those guys that I've been super high on and other people seem to be getting higher than me on him. I, I think that's okay, but I think it probably takes a lot of value away from him. Giddy at 62, Bunkero 63. That's expecting a lot of improvement, which I think can happen. Um, Gobert 64, Lopez 65. What do you what do you make of Bunkero for this season? Yeah, I think he can he can really improve this season. Uh, I was very impressed by what we saw, obviously, from him as a rookie. Uh, I mean, everybody expected him to be rookie of the year, being the number one pick. Uh, but I think just the scoring, um, everything else he did on the court, and just the maturity, man. He really he looked like he didn't look like a rookie for most of the season. I mean, he really looked like he belonged out there. Uh, ugh, can't talk today, man. Uh, he really looked like he belonged out there. He, he played uh, extremely well. I think he can take a big step forward this season. But I think drafting him at 63 in fantasy hoops is uh, – that takes away all of his value. Uh, I, I'm not taking him that high. I, I agree. I think it's very, very easy he makes it this area because, honestly, all, all it requires is three to four percentage points in free throws and field goals. Like that's, and that, that's, to say that is all it takes, like that is a very common thing for players going from first year to second year to do is to take gigantic steps forward in efficiency. It's hard to bank on it and you are really banking on it to take him in that spot. But I don't think that, yeah, a rookie who can score that much and generate that much offense and get to the line that much is a really rare thing and it all it just takes is a bump. In. And look, maybe it never comes. It is possible, but I'm not ruling that out. I also definitely wouldn't take him in that position. All right, so you took John Moran at 66. Explain this to me. He's obviously missing 25 games minimum. He's going to miss more than that probably with other injuries, not even accounting for other suspension risks. And in the past, he hasn't proven to be a successful or a great fantasy category league player. What are you? What's your thought process on uh, Morant at that spot? Uh, to me, he's probably an outside the top 75 guy, I think. Yeah, and he may finish outside the top 75. I see, you know, and Yahoo ranks aren't everything. I see Yahoo ranks him right around 80. Uh, and I took him at 66 right here. So maybe a little bit of a reach, uh, but I'm trying to get some scoring, uh, trying to get some more assists here. Um, and, and I think I know he's going to miss 25 games, but does that mean he comes back midseason fresh and looking good? Uh, maybe he has to knock some rust off, but, I, I mean, does that mean he comes out and just absolutely uh, dominates when he comes back? Uh, I think it's worth the risk right here. Again, this feels like right about the right spot for me to go ahead and grab him um, and, and, you know, and see what he can do right here. I just want to point out quickly something. And when you're in the Yahoo draft room, you've got the column that says X rank, which is the subjective rankings. And there's a column that's rank, which base, is based on their projection numbers. But it's also very, very skewed. For example, Cam Johnson just went off the board um, at that spot, pick number 73. But his actual rank based on a Nike league, according to them, is 34, which is clearly insane. Like you just have no no business taking Cam Johnson at that pick. So just be really careful about some of those... Um, about some of those columns, like they got Buddy Hield at forty, like that just is not right. Like it's just not the, the the area that you need to be looking at these guys. I need to go through and oh, Adam just said he screwed up by taking Cam Johnson accidental pick. He was at the top of the queue. Um, 
Julian noted, Adam, you didn't mean to take him on this uh, fake draft. Brooke Lopez, 65. John Rand, 66. Jeremy Grant, 67. Franz, at 68, who I was hoping would get back to me. DeAndre Ayton, 69. I really worry about DeAndre Ayton this season. We talk about the third guy in big threes losing out. The big, the fourth guy just does jack shit. Tyus Jones at 70. Ooh, I worry about that one. Mark Williams, 71. Middleton, 72. Great value. Cam Johnson, 73. Gafford, 74. Actually, really like that one as well. Derek White, 75. Marker Fultz, 76. Hero, 77. Ooh, okay. There's been a lot of hype about Derek White, and I thought someone would go into the top one or top 50 here for him. Um, Zach, what do you make of White's uh, potential this season? I think White is going to be – I think he can be really, really good this season. But, man, I really worry about taking him – that early in a draft uh i got sniped on robert williams so i'm trying to figure out what the hell i want to do right here oh, it's your pick, all right. uh, you know what we'll, we'll go with the handcuff here we're going to just go ahead and take memphis backcourt and the, the thing that's good with that is that marcus smart who you took there at 79 he's going to provide that value on his own right, he's going to exceed that value when jar is out but even when jar is back like he can be that guy without really too much of too much trouble i, I wouldn't think i think it's a really smart pick we're getting into the stage where I think maybe someone like Turej is falling too far. Um, oh, fuck, he just went at 80. Damn it. Um, all right. So I've got Jakob Pertl, but I don't want to take him because I don't want to make my free throws that bad. But he's obviously in the mix here. Draymond, can I afford his putrid scoring? Hmm. Chris Paul. Maybe I just lean into... No, I don't want two Wizards chuckers because, again, I don't know when they're going to stop playing. Let's go with... I was, what am I doing? I was going to take Rogier, but of course he's gone. Hmm. All right, the clock is ticking, and I need to make a selection. What pick are we at? 81. I'm going to go with another Hornets guy. You know what? It's time for... I, I don't like doing it, because, you know, shit bloke, obviously, but I think I'm going to take Miles Bridges here. I think there is upside for him to beat this number pretty considerably. Pun unintended. Absolutely. No, I, yeah. No, he can, he can absolutely blow past this, man. Uh, if he's getting consistent playing time, like he did two seasons ago when he... You know, blew up. Yeah, absolutely. It's a value pick. And I know that he's missing the first 10 games as well, but you know, 10 versus 25 for Jard is, isn't obviously the same. Um, I, I don't love that pick there of, of Bridges. I think it's okay, but I'm not not fully investing. I probably, I'll tell you who's a guy that's going to come off the board soon, Zach, and I have a pick before you so I can debate whether I'm going to do it is Anyeka Okongwu. Where are you on him this season? Uh, I. I don't know. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm still not completely sold just because they still have Capella. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we we all thought last year was going to be the year of Okongwu. And yeah, he was great, but he was still splitting time with Capella. Uh, if if you told me right now Okongwu is going to get 27, 28 minutes a night consistently uh, and he's their full-time starter, sign me up for a top 50 season potentially. Uh, but as it stands right now, his upside is severely limited. So I... I'm fine with you know with taking him this late just because of the upside. If they trade Capella, if Capella gets injured, uh, but I'm not taking him any earlier than this. So he just went there at 80. I was hoping that Jalen Duran might fall back to me, but it went D'Angelo Russell 82, Duran 83, Kuzma 84, Kongwu 85, and you said that yeah, Chay Murphy 86 there, which is interesting. Like we're getting into mm. a situation of. There's some real risk in the roles of these guys. Um, but look, you said that yeah, we all expected Capella to be traded. Look, I didn't. And the Hawks have never thought that. And the idea is, again, they don't necessarily think that. It's more likely this season. But I just think we all look at this as a, as a guarantee. Or well, not we all. There's some people who are looking at this as a guarantee to happen. And I'm just... 
I'm just not really certain that that's going to be the case. Hmm. Yeah. What do I do here? Uh, it's getting to the stage where I, I've, I've got to start. I've got to start looking at Chris Paul here. Surely. Jalen Green goes 87, 88. Like, okay, that's. I know he's probably going to play a smaller role on this team, on the on the Warriors, but. Okay, I think, yeah, look, my other option, I've got Scoot as an option here, but I don't think I'm going to do that. Wendell Carter is an option for me. Austin Young? No, you know, no, I'm going to take Austin Reeves. Let's blow it up. Let's get Austin Reeves in here. I think Austin Reeves, his lack of defense is, lack of defensive stats is a concern, but he is, he's very good. And yeah, I'm going to take him. Let's, let's take him. What do you think of Reeves this season? Do you think that that is too high? Is that too aggressive? No, I, I think that's that's probably right around where I would take him. Uh, he was in my queue along with Scoot, along with Shade and Sharp. Those were my next three that I was uh, kind of eyeballing here. Uh, but yeah, man, what we saw from Reeves to end the season and the playoffs, uh, I obviously LeBron is. We keep thinking LeBron is going to take a smaller role each season, but it's, I it's think the number of games happen. he misses, it's just never going to yeah, happen. With it's never going to happen. But I, I mean, can Reeves can Reeves's role increase at the expense of others? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that's that's totally fine, and there's upside for for uh, more than that. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and take Scoot here, and I promise I'm not I'm not <laughs> piggybacking off of you here. <laughs> he was in my queue. Uh, I debated him, Shaden Sharp, um, you know, a couple other guys here. But again, this is almost to pick 100. Uh, Dame. There's no way Dane plays for Portland this uh, season. Scoot Henderson. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. That's not what I've been told. Scoot Henderson is a grown man, dude. He is he uh, is going to come out here and, and fuck some shit up this season. He is, he is going to be phenomenal. Yeah, look, I think he's going to be really good, but he's a rookie. He's a point guard. They suck very often. He might shoot 41% from the field and 28% from three. I think yeah. that's legitimately possible. Michael Porter goes at... Let's just go through what actually happened here. After I took Reeves at 88, Jalen Green went 87, uh, Trey Jones 89, Scoot at 90, Wendell 91, Clint Capella 92 after a Kongwu, which is very interesting. Maga Porter Jr. Mm. goes 93, Johnny Collins 94. We're at that stage here in the draft. We're in round eight, round nine, where, again, we talk about it before that you get to a stage where I just you want to start hitting upside guys. Like you you want these guys to pay off. And I know there's a level of security in getting some guys like players who are still around here, Spencer Dinwiddie, Buddy Heald, Andrew Wiggins, CJ McCollum. Like but I don't really think there's any chance for them to be significantly better than this. And while it's important to have that guy, I still at the moment my belief is is trying to win fantasy leagues is getting the bloke who jumps fifty spots from where you drafted him, not getting the the safe guys in round eight or nine necessarily. Now I say that being someone who was looking at Chris Paul and Adam just took him at ninety seven, but I think that Paul can beat that number by thirty spots pretty comfortably. So yeah, I don't have a problem with that. After John Collins was Anthony Simons ninety five, Pirtle ninety six, Paul ninety seven. I think that Pirtle and Paul combo from Adam is unbelievable. I think that's such good value for both of those guys. And Zach Collins goes at ninety eight. In fact, I'm really jealous that Adam took both of those players. That's probably the best pairing of picks that I've seen in this draft. I'd say. I mean, look at Adams. Look at Adams' board here. I know he took Cam Johnson by mistake there, but mm. you you said it earlier in the draft. Middleton right there is a value after last season i mean he was injured for most of the season uh was coming off the bench wasn't getting consistent minutes that's not going to happen again this season uh Pirtle, chris paul yeah that's the all value team right there butler in the at the end of the third or excuse me beginning of the third round that's huge man mm. 
Yes, yeah, I think it's. I worry about his Bam and Butler picks because if Dame does arrive, especially Bam, I think he's going to lose out quite a lot. Um, not only does Bam lose assists there, but he loses usage, which is something he ramped up last season, which would be a bit of a worry for me. Jabari Smith goes at 100, Dinwiddie 101, Tobias Harris 102, who I was going to look at. Um, now it's your pick. So are you going upside? You're going uh, safety? What are you looking at? Yeah, Jabari Smith was who I wanted right here. I was really hoping he would come back to me, but. I'm going to just go ahead and go all Blazers here. I'm going to push my chips in on Dame getting traded. I know you said this ain't happening, but, man, we're going upside here. That's not what I and said. Shaden Sharp showed it off. I didn't say it's not happening. I said you said there's no way that he plays, and I said I wouldn't be so sure that there's no way that he plays. I think that there is a chance that he plays some games, and there is a reason that the league scheduled the only game for Miami to play in Portland this season to be after the trade deadline. There is a reason for that. Um Shaden goes at 103. Jaden McDaniels goes at 104. And yeah, do it. I, I'm taking Draymond Green here. I'm not letting him fall this far. Um, that's, yeah. yeah, I need those, getting those assists there. He's like, again, I, there's no risk in that pick, I don't think. What do you think? Keegan Murray, now you were big on Keegan last season. I, I fair to say he disappointed from what your expectations were. 106 is, I think, fair enough. Are we expecting a big jump forward for him this season? I think we can expect to jump into the top 100. Uh, I think I was <laughs> I was a little too high on a smidge too high on him, uh, but yeah, I think he can certainly get into the top 100. Uh, I mean, very quietly put together the best three point shooting season from a rookie ever, uh, which people are not you know paying attention to or talking about. Uh, did so as a consistent starter on you know one of the top seeds in a competitive Western Conference. Uh, so he is a good player. He's ready. He's battle tested. Uh, and he can certainly improve. Uh, you know, as you mentioned before, second-year guys can improve on their efficiency. Uh, maybe there's a little bit more that he can do to take his game up, you know, to the next level here. Uh, so, yeah, top 100 is fine. If you get him at 106, that feels pretty good. I'm a little worried that he had like 13% usage last season and he doesn't get any assists and his defensive stats are lacking. And he did break the rookie record for threes, but he did nothing else. And that's why I, I think he is going to be better. I think he's going to probably be... Uh, you know, pushing at least Harrison Barnes, but he was behind Barnes, Herder, Fox, and Sabonis in terms of offensive pecking order. He can step it up, but it's still a long way to go. And his absolute ceiling in terms of offensive pecking order is three, and that's not like that's not super high. And he also wasn't like part of his issue last season. He just wasn't aggressive. And if he missed his first three shots, he'd get benched and played twenty-one minutes. And yeah, Mike Brown had absolutely no problem with just Barnes or Herder or Monk or Murray or whoever it was, just in and out. Minutes up and down all over the place without any level of reliability. Um, Nurkic at 109, McCullum 110. That's pretty good value there. Bruce Brown 111. What am I going to do at this spot? Mm. At some point, I'm going to do it. And I don't know if it's going to be now, but I am going to take Ben Simmons at some point. Um, we're not there yet. Ooh, what do I do here? But I, I do... Well, hmm, do I take Andrew Wiggins? It feels... <clears throat> not a massive Wiggins guy, but it feels late for him. Is it late? I don't even know anymore. It's not a bad spot. <laughs> no, I'm gonna. Uh, hmm. God, what do I do here? Yeah, I'm gonna take Wiggins. I'm gonna take Wiggins again. I think that his category league value gets a little bit downgraded because of the way that ranking metrics work. And again, I'm working on something in the background that shows me that maybe he's not quite as bad as some of these ranking numbers might suggest. Wiggins at 112, Clay 113, Mitchie Robinson 114. There's a name that's sitting at the top or close to the top. Valentunas at 115. He, that's that's about the right spot. There's a name that's sitting towards the top of this draft board here is Keldon Johnson at 109. 
what are you viewing his role? Because he is the prototypical, I score a lot of points on a bad team, but do absolutely nothing else. And now his team got better. Where do you see his value lying? I'm not really sure I have too much to add to that statement, man. That's that's exactly who he is. He's a guy that scored a lot last season because he had the ball in his hands a lot for a bad team. Uh, obviously, they added Vic. They added a couple other pieces, uh, some guys that could score. Uh, I, I don't know. What, what is he going to bring to your fantasy team other than poor field goal percentage and a lot of points? I mean, if you need points late in the draft, fine. Uh, otherwise, you know, what are we doing with him here? Yeah, and I guess – and then the problem is that what, what if he doesn't get those points? Like what if he just yeah. put in that position to have 28% usage because it's clearly not what a, a team needs to be good. Like if he goes back to 24 usage, then he's a 17-point scorer who doesn't do anything else and probably shoots a little bit better to be fair. His efficiency probably goes up. I just – yeah, he's a, he's a relatively empty sort of player I think. So we're in this sort of dregs area of a draft here. Brogdon goes 116. I'm worried about his elbow. Trent at 117. Does he start? I don't know. We'll see how aggressive the defensive scheme is in terms of getting steals because he was not a steals guy at all in Portland. And then Nick Nurse's system turned him into a steals guy. Does Ryakovich's system allow that? I don't know. New coaches can change things a bit. Uh, Zubat's at 118. Josh Hart, 119. What do you make of Josh Hart? He's a hard one to, for me to judge because he shot some really, really strong numbers coming over from the Knicks or to the Knicks in the regular season. And then turned back into a bad three-point shooter in the playoffs and they brought DiVincenzo in as well. So I'm just not sure what his absolute like minutes upside is, but I do love Adam Stocky by the way, taking Patrick Williams at 120. It's a good flyer pick. What do you make of Joshy Hart? Yeah, I, he's a very, and just like he was last year and every season, very boring guy. Not a guy that's going to get you a bunch of highlights. He did have that game winner last year that was pretty cool, but uh, he's not going to get you too much uh, except for those out-of-position rebounds that he's he's very good at for a guard. So that that's valuable to a degree. Uh, but, man, if you're getting him here at 120, I mean, he was consistently like a top 90-ish guy last season. Uh, and that's totally fine. If that's what you need for your team, kind of a, that glue guy that gets you, you know, those safe statistics, you go ahead and take him right there. That's fine. Oh, Adam, He's boring. Adam Stock just took Jordan Clarkson. J-O-R-D-A-N-C-L-A-R-K-S-O-N. Oh, he was in my queue. I think uh, people just automatically think, well, the Jazz are going to bench Clarkson. I, they're not. I, they're, just, they're just not. They're like, not. I, they're just, people thought this last year as well. They just, oh, well, what about that? will just start Abaji. Eh, will they? But why, why would they have extended Clarkson? Clarkson is, as weird as this is to say, for a guy that's had some weird stuff throughout his career in terms of locker room and on-court stuff, he's an unbelievable part of their culture and loves being in Utah and a part of the community. It's, it, I never would have thought I would have said that about Jordan Clarkson five years ago, but he is. That's what he is now on this team. He's like a, a locker room leader and community leader, and they love him there. All right, this guy's going to get hyped a lot. It's getting up to your people. What do you think about Tari Eason at 124? Love Tari Eason. Uh, um, Motherfucker. <laughs> These are the. I, I'm getting sniped left and right here, man. This is this is just getting insane. Yeah, that, that, was, um, that was Ben Simmons going at 126. Who, again, you can hate on Ben Simmons as much as you want. Getting at 126 is absolute free money. It's that's a ridiculous value right there. Uh, I am. I am so tempted to take Obi Toppin right now because mm. I, again, I'm I'm big fan of the summer hype, but. Hmm. I'm going to just take the safe pick here. Aaron Gordon, yeah, I know he's a third, fourth option, but this is a very, very thin team. They give their starters a lot of minutes. He was a very consistent player last season. Uh, maybe some of that efficiency, which was – I mean, he was hyper-efficient last season. Maybe some of that falls back to earth a little bit. 
But even so, if I'm getting him outside 120, that's to me, that's easy money as well. Yeah, I think I'm going to, again, don't like this guy as a player, but I'm taking Colin Sexton here. I, I, look, you know, he had mm. a rough year with injuries, but he can score. He can get mm-hmm. to the line a ton. He can shoot efficiently. There's not a lot else that he does, but I I think he's, I think a guy that has starting point guard upside potential, 20 point per game scoring upside. Probably he doesn't get there. Maybe it's 17 points with four or five assists on good efficiency. I look, that's, mm-hmm. it's, it's value. And again, I've just, at this point, and Toppen is a name that's interesting there as well. I just want a bloke that might be able to jump into the top 90 here or top 80. Whew, okay. All right. So this is an interesting one. Al Horford goes at 130. Totally fine. Absolutely zero upside. Asar Thompson. Mitchie takes at 131. All right. Mitch takes Asar Thompson at 131. So what do we make of Asar Thompson, who is going to have wretched field goal percentage, I'm pretty sure. I don't know what his minutes role is going to be, but it looks like he's got a great fantasy skill set. And I don't think there's any debate, Zach, that he's going to play more than a men Thompson this season. I just think that, again, it's a case of we love rookies and we're probably going to get five top 100 rookies, maybe. This is a good, a strong yep. class, but Asar's not going to start. He might start later on, but he's not going to start. And you might be getting a guy who's a bad efficiency guy playing 20 minutes a night. And I get going for upside here, but I reckon it's in a standard fantasy league setting where you've only got 10 starters and three benches. You can't afford to hold guys for three months. You just can't. Like if you've got a, a deeper bench, you, you, Asab might be giving you those numbers in February or March, but a standard setup doesn't allow you to hold for that long. Yeah, it, and it may be a case of drafting him and, and just having to cut him right away, but mm. I do think the fantasy skill set is there. Yeah, maybe bad field goal percentage, but can he pass? Can he rebound? Can he get you some defensive stats? Yes, yes, and yes. Mm. Uh, and I think for Detroit, a team that you know we saw many different iterations of that lineup last season, there is a chance, there's a world in which – you know, he's on the court more than 20 minutes, at, at least at some point during the season. Uh, but as you mentioned, it's just a matter of you know, when is that going to be and can I afford to have him on my team? Mm, yeah, and I think I might oh, – my dog – speaking of Obi, my dog just losing his mind because someone's here. Uh, I'm going to take Obi Top in here. I don't really believe in him. Oh, and, and, Josh. and I don't – I think Jarris Walker should be starting, but – I said this when I did the Pacers preview show the other day. Like, I don't believe in Obi Toppin. I think he's not a very good prospect. He was a ridiculous draft pick at the time. Um, but if there's a situation for him to go to that fits everything perfect about his game, it's this one. And while I think Jarris Walker is a great pairing next to Miles Turner and he's a really good upside player, Obi Toppin and Tyrese Halliburton is the best pairing you could possibly find. Plus, having Miles Turner next to him to cover him defensively, I, I couldn't find anything that would be better than in this situation, even though I don't think he's very good. Oh, this is tough right here. Herb Jones, 137. People were taking Herb Jones in the 80s or 90s last year, and I, I, I feel uh, justified in saying that that wasn't worth it. He's fallen. Oh, I love that pick from you of Matherin because he's going to get opportunities. Getting scoring and free throw attempts in volume is tough, and while he probably hasn't ever passed in his life and doesn't generate defensive stats, we talk about second-year guys hopefully adding something. I like it. Yep. It's also one of those things, Zach, where people people love a narrative story and part of the narrative story that will get chucked around all the time is sophomore slump when in reality, it's literally, yep. the, it's literally the exact opposite thing that happens. But when one player goes backwards as a second-year guy or hitting the rookie wall, when again, it's literally the opposite that happens for the vast majority of players. So targeting these second-year guys when the new fresh bunch of rookies come in, the new guys that, you know, you know, what, I could take this boat or I could take this box. It might even be a boat inside the box. That sort of joke. Like 
Matherin, yeah, the value for all these second year guys drops. And in general, their value all goes up. After you took Ben Matherin, it was Suggsy at 139, Westbrook at 140, quickly at 141, Kyle Anderson 142. I don't know how Kyle Anderson plays enough minutes for that to make any sense to me. I, Kyle Anderson was good last season because Towns was injured. He also played like 22 minutes a night before Towns got hurt, and they've also paid Nas Reid. I do not think there's any way, as much as we love Kyle Anderson, there's any way that he can be or have enough upside for that to make a ton of sense. Sorry, no, to, uh, sorry to you, Alex. Wasn't he rumored to be signing with China no, or something? What, what happened is, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because a few people have mentioned that uh, to me that he's gone to China. He hasn't. He's been. He's got Chinese citizenship. He's playing for China in the World Cup. He's not signing to play on a Chinese team. So he's playing for China currently in the World Cup. Uh, he's still under contract for Minnesota. Gotcha. Because his mum, right. his mum or his grandma is Chinese or something. So he's uh, playing for China in the World Cup. Gotcha. Sadiq Bay goes at 143. He was actually in my queue and I was considering him again. A I do not like Colin Sexton as a player. I do not like Obi Toppin as a player. I do not like Sadiq Bay as a player. But at the spots mm -hmm. that they were going, I think that there is value in getting those guys in that area as much as I don't love them. Ooh, Adam taking Cole Anthony at 144. There are not enough minutes for Cole Anthony in Orlando, but he is one of those guys that I'm absolutely just waiting to see if there is uh, a trade because I think he, him and Kobe White are those two guys in bench roles as point guards that I really watch. And the other one he took is Paul Reed, who, according to the Sixers and Nick Nurse, they, mm. they want to use Paul Reed like Pascal Siakam, which, if he's able to do that and take minutes off PJ Tucker, well, that is a top 80 player, easily. So I like Stocky taking him there. Joshy Richardson goes 146, probably going to start in Miami, I guess. Uh, AJ Griffin, 147. Eh, don't know about that one. Maybe, maybe. I do think Griffin's an interesting player, but not sure. That, but yeah, upside's all about it. Speaking of upside... I know you're going to have the pick before him, but I'm going to tell you a player that I'm going to take just as a flyer here. I'm probably going to flyer in every draft, Jalen Johnson in Atlanta. I don't know that he gets the minutes over Sadiq Bay, but that's what I'm looking for at this last pick. Can someone actually blow up? Because that's really what I'm looking for. Yeah, I think that's totally fine. Somebody is going to get some more opportunity in Atlanta and perhaps two players, mm. um, you know, depending on what happens with, uh, you know, Capella. So... Let me go ahead and make my final selection. Here's a guy that I've been touting for a little while. There's a little bit of bias on my part because I've been watching him for a while, but well, like a he's a guy that I think could have a great season. And, of course, he's a West Virginia boy, so got to go for him. My only worry with that is, and I, I agree that he's going to be their starter, is that there's just so many other guys there. There's Desumu, there's White, there's Caruso. Yeah. And people will tell me that Caruso, oh, Caruso's actually their power forward. I, I, that's cool, but when they benched Desumu <laughs> last season, the guy they replaced him with was Alex Caruso. So he's still in that yeah. mix, even though he defends all those other positions. He's still a guy that's in that mix to take some minutes away from If Javon was playing 32 a night... I think he'd have a really good shot at things, but I just worry with that four sort of point guard rotation that maybe maybe that upside's a little limited. But I, yeah, I don't mind taking it here. The other one I'm interested in taking at this spot here is um, Jeremy Sohan. I think I'm going to take Jalen just mm. because I want to have a crack at that upside. But Sohan's another one here for me. And I would consider Quentin Grimes, but I just think that the upside's probably squished by the other players there. So that's why well, Bogdan Bogdanovich is still available. Gordon Haywood's still available. As much as I don't love Haywood, again, that's that's almost free money. But just for the, you know, not planting my flag, but just for the upside value, I'm going to take Jalen Johnson at 153. Um, 
got three picks left. Let's see who ends up going here. Sohan goes next. Okay. Um, and then Mitch and Adam with the last two selections. Overall, Zach, how do you feel about your squad? I like my squad. I think, yeah, I think I probably reached probably a couple of times. I probably reached on Ja, potentially reached on Shangoon. Uh, you know, my Portland picks could end up blowing up in my face here. Uh, but I like the end of my draft here. I think I got a lot of value from Mitch, from uh, AG, from Ben, Javon Carter, obviously. Um, got sniped a few different times on some guys that I was really looking hard at. Uh, yeah, overall, I like my squad. I just took our little faces away there so people can see those last couple of picks in the draft. Paul Washington Jr. goes uh, with the second last pick, not currently signed to a team, and Gabe mm. Vincent with that last team. So I'm going to just scroll that screen up so we can go through it. So my team goes Lamello, Anthony Davis, Darius Garland, Jordan Poole, Ingram, Gobert, Miles Bridges, Austin Reeves, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, Colin Sexton, Obi Toppin, and Jalen Johnson. Zach, you went with Giannis, Mikhail Bridges, Weminyama, Kawhi, Shingun, Morant, Smart, Scoot, two rookies there, Shaden Sharp, Mitchell Robinson, Aaron Gordon, Benek Matherin, and Javon Carter. I think uh, Adam's team, uh, Adam Stock's team, picking at number one is always a nice little advantage, but he did really well through that draft. I was really... Um, Happy with how his team looked. I was pretty happy with the way that Mandela Effect's team looked. Halliburton and Booker, I think, are really good value plays there. Um, having a little crack at Tyrese Maxey in the middle, strong. I love the value of getting Ben Simmons towards the end there. Any other teams or picks really stand out to you here? Uh, I'm trying to look through here uh, and see. Oh, look, Mitch, Mitch Casey took both Asar and Amen Thompson. That's really betting on the Thompsons. Oh. Interesting. I don't know if I would have put all my eggs into that basket. Some really, yeah, some really interesting things. Again, this is the, literally the first mock draft that I've done this season. Um, so some interesting things developing here, whereas, yeah, and it's a lot of it is about strategy and it's not necessarily about drafting this guy here is going to render this value. It's about, as I said, like taking someone that might get you 30 spots of value because I think that's how you end up with success. And if it doesn't work out, you can recover the value at someone to pick 90 through waiver wire activity. Like you can get that value back. But if someone blows up from pick 80 to be a top 30 player, well, you can't find that other way in other spots. So trying to find those guys or identifying the ways that upside can be reached, I think is really important. Hmm. All right, Zach, I think we might bring our faces back over to that one, but also bring us over here. All right. Thank you for coming on and chatting with me about, about this draft. Um, how many mock drafts have you done? Are you, you breaking in the first one here? Or have you done a few? I have done a few. I've uh, participated in some with uh, with the Roto-Wire guys uh, already and uh, done one or two with, uh, with Kingy. Uh, but yeah, so this is – I haven't done a ton though. I've, I'm still under 10 right now for the new season, so – Fairly fresh at this right now. Awesome. We're going to get you back on at some point during this offseason, or preseason, Zach, to talk uh, fantasy basketball. Thank you for coming on and chatting with me, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks as always, brother. It's a pleasure. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app and on YouTube. Thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. If I can find the button, see ya. <laughs>